Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, April 8th. Man, is time continuing to speed on by. Um, you know what, Amo? Man, we're. we're before you know it, we'll be halfway through this year that we just feels like we just started. Um, want to follow up on a few things today. I did not start it off the show yesterday saying I was going to get into some of the, the latest and some of the people I talked with on the Deshaun Watson situation. Never got to it, which is fine. I'm going to talk about it today. I'm going to do it kind of at the top so I don't forget. We're going to get into some a draft talk, but I want to talk a little bit about the grading scale criteria. Um, had a few questions and maybe a better understanding of that there's there's no such thing as a first-round grade. There's grades that correlate to the first round, and you say, well, what's the difference? I, I'll get into that. So we're going to address that and uh, answer your questions over uh, in the, uh, the chat room. So we appreciate uh, you joining us. A reminder that if you are not watching us on Twitch TV, if you're not watching us on Facebook Live, if you're not watching us on YouTube, what are you doing? Hey, we love you listening anytime you can. We know you're busy. You've got other options. Um, appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you want to catch us live, though, go to Landry Football, uh, Chris Landry Football. Um, Twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Go to LandryFootball.com and uh, click follow Chris on Twitch, and it'll take you right there. So you can be watching this show live and contributing to this show live um, and spread the word as best you can uh, about the Twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Uh, you can listen on any mobile device that you have, and you know you want to make sure that you do that and uh, make sure that you um, – Subscribe so that you can get an alert when we're getting ready to go live. So cheers on a few bits. Um, certainly spread the word about what we're doing. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the Landry Football Podcast. And we certainly are grateful with our partnership with Radio Influence bringing to this podcast each and every week. You can listen to it. You can find it on uh, LandryFootball.com, um, and certainly subscribe to it and listen to it there. So, mention <clears throat> we're going to start about uh, talking. I want to get into what I think are some 
I don't know if interesting is the right word. Disturbing, but, you know, certainly some tidbits I picked up on the Deshaun Watson situation. I have not followed it probably, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as closely as a lot of you have as I am preparing for the draft and deep into that. But I did kind of have a little opportunity and made an opportunity to ask a few things about Deshaun. And we're going to get into some more draft talk and talk about grading scales and take your questions that you can, uh, again, always contribute. Deshaun Watson's situation, um, talking with folks, and you combine it with the reports that are out there that are verifiable. <clears throat> A couple of things jump out at me. One, it is the fact that you've got 22 filings, I think 21 civil suits, one criminal suit. We'll see where that takes it and the legal definitions that will have it stay in court and or, or not, and we'll see where it goes. There's always some subject of somebody looking for a payday and do you pay them off and make it go away? That's, that's certainly what the civil suits are about or certainly wanting financial restitution instead of criminal, which is a lot of what was a concern or, you know, a question about whether this would go into a criminal activity or whether it would be charged with. Well, we, we see that it has, and we'll see where it goes. In discussing it further with people in the league, and quite frankly, with people I know, with the Texans I've worked with, the, the thing that jumped out at me um, was that there were 22 people, but that there were another 18 people or so that filed a report, a letter of some sort, a document of some sort, saying that they served as a masseuse to Deshaun, and there was no issue. So you've got a contradiction there, but that's not what jumped out at me. You've got 18, or you got 22, plus, say, another 20. You basically got 40 different people serving as a masseuse. That's not normal. Let me tell you a little bit how masseuse work in the NFL. It is a relatively new, and I say new, it's been around for God, 25 years. It seems new to me. Uh, typically what a team does, um, they will either hire a full-time masseuse or in most cases, they'll contract out a group, a company that may have, I don't know, three to a half dozen masseuses that, because you can't, with all the players and maybe the needs that they may have time-wise, it may not marry up with the masseuse. So you need to have some other options. Um, you don't have 40. And a lot of these guys have their own. Okay. No problem. You usually have one person, <clears throat> maybe a backup and, and maybe a backup to the backup. So you're not dealing, you know, if you maybe use a certain company, <coughs> excuse me, 
they may have a half a dozen in their building. You use them and that makes sense. You trust them, you know them. When you have 40, it sends up a huge red flag. Um, it, it's, it's, it's almost like clubbing and trying to hook up with uh, a different person every night. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, that's not normal. Um, it's not normal for somebody that's trying to get a masseuse. It is perhaps normal protocol. If you've got other things in mind that concerned me more than anything that it just looks bad. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was in those rooms. I, I know that if you've got 40 different people that have worked on you, it's just sends up a red flag that just doesn't coincide with how masseuse real masseuse operations work with teams. Um, and again, the individuals don't know that they're one of 40 They're you know, they're just, they, but for a player to have that many is disturbing. It is, um, a little confusing in that it's just not normal. It is not abnormal for players to get their groin massaged. Um, that's something that with groin pulls and stretching and plyometrics, something that's really important. Uh, obviously, no snickers, please. It's a sensitive situation in an area. And if you can, maybe you get a male masseuse to do that. Deshaun Watson, I understand it. Certainly, one of the things I was told and I learned that he was the groin area was the area that he had massaged the most. We'll let that stand on its own by a lot of different, mostly female masseuses. Now, he has since, since all this has come up, he has used one particular masseuse, and it happens to be a male. <clears throat> Obviously, he on his own or someone said, this is a bad look. This is going to come out, and so you need to change that. Um, and so that's what happened. Um, I don't know where to take it. There's nothing more I can really add. No one knows. I can't advance it anymore uh, than that. But it is concerning. It is definitely concerning about why he has so many, what he's done, um, the the effects of what um, will take place in the courtroom, what the legal do, their involvement, they're gathering information. I don't know. And, and certainly from a, the reason I, I don't really care in the salacious details, but it does have a tremendous impact on football. You are dealing with a great football player, a very talented football player that people are going to be very interested in 
and um, but they don't know about his availability. And so um, it is something that is, you know, fastly becoming the storyline of this offseason. And while I don't really care or follow the salacious details, I thought it was something that needed to be discussed in terms of, okay, what's the details? Because the details will somewhat take you to the next step of where this might go. I'm not saying that I feel he did this, I feel he did that, I don't know. I just know that it is very unusual for the behavior to be what it is unless you're looking at a massage for more than just the intent of helping you prepare your body for workouts. Masseuses are really important. I mean, they are a increasingly important part as guys challenge their bodies, dealing a whole lot with nutrition, a whole lot with flexibility, huge, important with injury recovery and injury prevention. So massages are normal. They are, uh, they're, they're, I think, a required part if you're going to do it correctly. Um, in terms of keeping your body in the type of shape, but but how he's gone about it, I'll tell you, is quite alarming. And I did hear the the number of people, and that was an issue for me. But as I discussed and got the actual numbers of how many different masseuses that he used, um, there's no real reason for that. There's no reason to have that many other than you just you know, use that as a form, a way of social interaction with females um, and wanting certain ones that looked a certain way to do it. I mean, it's just, this is like, this sounds like the whole less miles, you know, having one, a certain look in the recruiting office. Well, we know why that is. This is, this is kind of where this is. So we'll, we'll kind of leave it at there at that. And we'll kind of see where, that takes it. I don't know. It does create a need long-term. I don't think he's going to be with Houston long-term. I just don't know short-term where he's going to be. All right, let's move on to more football discussions, what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about, and and again, we're taking your questions in the uh, chat room. If you got them, bring them on. Uh, a lot of talk about players and the draft and where they're going to be taken and all those things are intriguing, no doubt. They're looked at as the fun part of it, and and I agree it is. But you will hear this a lot. This guy's a high first round or high second. That's a projection of where they're going to go. What I try to focus and what we do over at LandryFootball.com, and I encourage everybody, if you haven't yet, join. It's a, always a great time to join, but it is a perfect time really with the draft coming down upon us to take advantage of our scouting season discount where we are looking at the draft differently than others do. We're looking at players from the standpoint of how many guys 
are graded in certain tiers and where the cutoff points are, where the value is. You hear me talk about that a bunch. Well, there's a reason for that. Everyone, like they focus on five-star, four-stars in recruiting. In the draft, they talk about first-rounders, second-rounders, third-rounders. Again, that's the end result of where they go, how they get there. Um, is the important part and really the only important part. Uh, it's kind of like you say, the we always talk about the result. The result doesn't matter. It's the process that creates the result because that's where your result is. So when you're talking about a grading scale and you talk about how that correlates to where a guy will likely be valued and being taken, you hear me talk about seven four seven zero grades, six nine to six five grades, and where it correlates. What I want to spend a little time today doing is going over what does that mean. So, what does a seven four seven zero grade mean? What does a six nine six five grade mean? And this grading criteria is not just an overall assessment, but as I break down. <coughs> all the critical factors and on different shows. And I may do this in the summer again, break down the critical factors of each position. There are plenty uh, upwards of 20 at each position. You grade each character. You're talking about a receiver's hands. You grade him on is, does he have seven, four, seven, oh, six, nine, six, five hands, six, four, six, oh, hands. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. You grade all the different position specifics and critical factors at each position, and then you give them an overall grade. But it's the words, the descriptive words that describe and take you to the numbers. The numbers have to match the words. The words have to match the numbers. So what does it really mean? What is a 7-4 to 7-0, be it a grade and a critical factor or a grade and an overall player? 747, super elite to outstanding. Okay, elite, 74, outstanding 7L. That's in the same grade tier. The player performs the skill. Okay, the skill overall and the skills individually in the different critical factors without abnormal or extra effort. And they do it consistently. Okay, he is executing, exciting executing extremely well, um, seamlessly, uh, without extraordinary effort. He's an exciting player, consistent player, plays with a certain flair, with no noticeable weakness, and against all competition level. That's where somebody would get a 7-4 to 7-0 grade. Very, as this suggestion is very rare, very unusual to get graded that high. Um, so if you're talking about the player's hands, the player's speed, the player's arm strength, whatever the criteria is for that position, and again, there are 18 to 16, 18 to 20 of each position, critical factors, you grade each category, does any of them fit into that area, 7470, and then you put the overall grade, and we're going to get to that and how it corresponds. Then you've got the 6'9 to 6'5 grade category. 6'9 is great. Six five, very good. What does it really mean? The player performs without abnormal or extra effort 
but the difference is he doesn't do it all the time. He lacks some consistency in performing the skill to this level. He still performs the skill, but not to the level that we just talked about. Very definitive. Okay, people just, oh, I like this guy. I saw him play again in this team. Great hand. How many games have you watched? Have you studied them all the time? No, I just saw does it, How consistent is he? How reliable is he against all level of competition? He lacks some consistency in performing the skill to that highest level, but he's still exciting. He's still rare. Still no noticeable weakness. It's just that he doesn't do it as consistently as the 7-0 guys. So 6-9 would be great. 6-5, very good. Good to above average. 6-4 to 6-0. 6-4 is good. 6-0 above average. The player performs the skill or the overall skill set is with some abnormal or extra effort and does it more often than not, though not as consistent as the 6'9 to 6'5s. So the guy doesn't have maybe as much natural ability, but through unique qualities, extra effort, um, qualities does it more often than not. That's the variable that maybe takes that player that doesn't fit that category athletically as the next two groups, but still has the productivity that is consistent and plays about to that level more often than not. Uh, or he's just, you know, someone that has ability, but he's just not as consistent. And so the effort or the technique is never growing to the level where he could be to that next group. So that's good to above average. And the six fours are the good, the six fours above a six O's above average. Then the next grade criteria is the five nine to five five category, slightly above average to average. The player performs the skill, but does not do it without expending extra effort. He has to have extraordinary extra effort. He has a limitation that he may overcome in time but he'll never be able to perform it with flair, with ease, with excitement. His level of success in the skill is in direct relation up against equal or lesser competition. Good players. Again, not many players fit into the above category. Certainly not the 7470-6965. Most players come under the categories that are certainly six, four and below. That's the majority of the roster in the NFL. So finding these guys that have some skills and getting them to do it more consistently than they've done it in the past or accentuating what they do well and camouflaging what they don't do well, using them in certain situations is the key to make a guy that's maybe more five, nine to five, five and make them a better player. A Teddy Bruschi is an example of that as a guy that had a lot of limitations, but plays above that because how he's utilized. There are a lot of players, the, the tons of players in the league play into that level. So those five nines are the guys that are slightly above average and five, five or average in that particular skill. Then you have the five, four to five Oh category. That's slightly below average to below average. The player performs, but only through extreme effort and 
certain limitations that are going to prevent him from doing it consistently and against top-level competition. 5-4 is a slightly below average. Again, 5-4 is average. Then you've got the 4-9 to 4-5. That's poor to reject. The player has a fairly large degree of deficiency in a particular skill, which prevents him from performing it most of the time. And when he does perform it, it's generally only against weaker competition. His limitation would be doubtful to ever overcome. 4-9 is poor. 4-5 is reject. So it is that area that is the key to understanding grading scales and how does that translate. Now, if you're looking at it, the 7-4 to 7-0s or blue-grade players normally in the league, that they're going to be high first-round picks. The 6-9 to 6-5 would be first-round value, guys. Okay, that doesn't mean, hey, they're a first-round grade. Well, they are because they fit the category of 6-9, 6-5 that I just described. Uh, the 6-4 to 6-0 would be guys that would translate into that particular criteria that I mentioned. They would be more second-round value. However, when you put a draft together, what do you have? Don't you have, you know, if you, you can't say, well, let's pick the 32 best and just assume that they're, you know, they are all first-round graded. They all have to be 6-5. Well, no. You might have 15 guys that grade 6-9 to 6-5 or better. You might have 25. You know, rare you, you might have 28, 30. My experience is you never have 32. You don't even come close to it. You, you grade what the player is to a standard, and you don't try to gerrymander and say they're a first-round pick. It, it doesn't matter if he's a first-round pick. <clears throat> first-round pick is where he's taken. It doesn't mean he is a player that fits into the grade criteria first round. Big difference. Understand it. Really important. I've, I've said this on several different platforms. I've said it here on this show a bunch. Trying to drill that in to understand because that's the important thing to understand the draft and understand where the value is. And so when you look at the draft boards, which I have on LandryFootball.com, the position boards, the overall horizontal boards, really important to understand those categories and how they translate. And so hopefully that gives you an idea. We'll get into um, the position specifics, the the critical factors for each position. And you want to see what's the most important criteria for evaluating a quarterback and a running back and the position specifics. So when you're grading the critical factors, then you're grading into the um, the position specifics. You're grading like things as innocuous as the drop quickness and balance, the setup quickness and positioning. Again, he might be a 6'5 graded player in his accuracy short. He might be more of a 5'9 guy outside the numbers. It's important to understand that paints a picture. Okay. Doesn't it? It tells you, you understand the grading criteria and what it means. If I tell you a guy is five, nine throwing outside the numbers guy say guy is six, five setting up in the pocket outside the pocket, throwing the football. He goes down to say a five, five grade that tells you, but you can't just say it. You've got to describe it. Describe 
Don't tell me that you like a guy. Don't tell me that you don't think he is good throwing it outside the pocket. Tell me how you came to that conclusion. Describe it. So now when you're describing all the different critical factors and position specifics on a player, now you come with an overall grade. Well, what's the overall grade? Well, what is the most important critical factors for you, your team, in a quarterback, in a cornerback, in a slot corner, in an outside backer, whatever the case may be? What's the most important critical factors? You take the most important critical factors and you take the grade, how you grade those players in the most important critical factors, and that's where the player has greater value. That's why and how draft boards look a lot different. That's why somebody who's 15th on somebody's draft board is 35 or 40 on somebody else's because they value certain things in a position more than others. Therefore, this player is very good in a very good fit, not as good. We talked about Mac Jones of Alabama um, on a show yesterday, and we talked about, oh, he's not worthy of this or that. To whom? Overall, does universally the league, everybody, consensus think that he's somebody, you know, I'll I'll give you a little peek into my uh, draft board. I gave him a 6-4 grade. He might go number three to San Francisco. Does it make it wrong for San Francisco to take him? No. It just because that's wouldn't necessarily what I wouldn't do for most teams, it doesn't mean that it's not going to work for an individual team. For example, if you are building an offense where, look, your focus is going to be a clean pocket. Your focus is going gonna, is gonna to be timing routes. That is, you've got to correspond the depth with the routes that the ball comes out quickly on a three, five, seven step drop. That's what you do. Those release times are all very important. If you're a quarterback, that's a play extender. If you do a lot of rollout game and you have a lot of comeback routes and you don't rely on the timing of the routes, then you're what we call creating off-platform. Well, then that's a different type of player. What do you want? Folks, we've seen Patrick Mahomes as that type of player. We also see the guy that, was successful in quarterbacking a team that won the Super Bowl and Tom Brady, that is the other, the pocket guy. You can do it different ways. You have to, what's important is not what you do, but identifying what it is that you want to do and finding the players that fit that. And very often what happens in the evaluation process is that you have, we're going to take this guy because we're going to run this and this is what we're going to be, and it doesn't work. So Mr. Owner says, or Mrs. Owner says, we're getting rid of this coach, and, and well, the new staff comes in and says, well, we don't want to do that. So the guys that we invested draft picks in, whether it's quarterback, any position, they don't really fit what we want to do, so we got to rebuild it. And that's my old theory of you're building a house, you got to tear it down to the studs and start over. You never move in and get to enjoy the pool. The living room, the game room, the man cave, the kitchen. You never you never do it. Why? You're constantly building it down to the studs. So the really important lesson is 
how to properly evaluate, how, how to properly build on the one umbrella of football. What are we going to be? Let's be committed. Let's be on the same page. Let's build towards that because you can take a player. If you take a Mac Jones and you put him in a situation and you're going to rely on him being quick decision maker, balls come out quick, accurately, and you build a good pocket, he can be real successful. If you don't have a good offensive line, he's not a guy that's going to be able to go out and create. So under pressure, he's going to going to falter. He won't be nearly as good. Well, Chris, he's only good because he's in college because he's got a good pocket, a lot of weapons. He's good because he has a clean pocket and he operates there. So you see what he can be. And you see how he can execute in college, and those transferable skills are there, provided you provide the same framework. If you cannot do that, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you don't work off the three, five, seven step drop back in the pocket scheme, you're not going to be as effective. You're going to do more rollouts, not going to be as good. Not as good doing that outside the pocket. You bring pressure, different. You take a different guy, you take a Justin Fields, Justin Fields, more creative outside the pocket. He causes a little bit more problems with the defense with his athleticism, but he's not as functional getting the ball out on time, working in the pocket. Why? Because that's not what he does. They don't use them that way. Uh, necessity is the motherhood of invention. You would not roll out Tom Brady or Peyton Manning a whole lot because that's not what they do. They're Hall of Famers. They're great, but that's not what they do outside the pocket. So do what they do. Use the right tool in the right way. Don't try to take somebody and change their technique, change their style, and think you're going to get the same result. just doesn't work that way. I mean, a certain ingredient may make a meal take, taste fabulous but you take the wrong combination of ingredients, you could stink up a meal in the worst way. I've done that. Um, That's the important part. Well, this guy's the best receiver. This guy's the best quarterback. This guy's the best this. I like this guy. I think he should be taken here. That's not the most relevant part of this. It's a conversation piece. Talking heads don't really see and understand a lot of these things because they don't have never been in there. They don't know how to build a team. They don't know how to evaluate players. They don't know how to build a grading scale. They don't know how to train scouts. And they don't know. They basically listen and take information and take a conglomeration of information and come up with a philosophical approach. Let's take this guy. Let's take that guy. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. And it's a hodgepodge. It's no rhyme or reason. Like this guy. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's sign this guy. Let's let's have him do that. Change the technique. You put him in a different role. All of a sudden, it's a bust. Well, why does the guy bust? That's why he busts. Yeah, there's maybe injuries. Maybe lack of motivation comes into it. But very often, it's you take a guy and you put him in a different situation. I just, look, if. You want to nail your fence, it's best to use a hammer. I mean, I guess you can use another tool. It's not what it's made for. It's not the most efficient. It's not the smartest way to do it. Use the right tool in the right way, the way it's intended. It's common sense. Yet it the 
lack of understanding of exactly how to do it, the right way to do it, is getting lost more and more as we have less and less football people that are making decisions. Those things are really important to understand. And they're really important as you start to figure out who your team's going to take. So the the moral of it, if we want to stick with the theme of is Mac Jones the right pick for the Niners? The Niners have to make that decision, right? If you take him and you build a team around him with the idea of this is what he is and this is what we're going to do with him, sure, it can work. It can work, and he could become very successful. And no one's going to care that they took him third or 23rd or 33rd. If they don't do that, and they don't protect him, and they don't do the things that you need to do to make him successful and to accentuate what he does well, yeah, it's a waste to pick. You've made a mistake. But he's not any good. Well, he's not any good. He's good at certain things. He's not good at all things. The same thing applies to all these quarterbacks in this draft, right, frankly. The other quarterbacks that are talked about the most have a lot of ability. Um, but their skill sets are different. And so in the age of, if you want more mobility, if you want to create outside the pocket, if you want to create some out of platform situations, well, then you're going to see the other guys is a little bit better and you should, that's what they are. It's not who's the best quarterback for whom is what I ask. For whom? What are you doing with them? What do you want to run? And I'm using the quarterback example. That applies to every position. Who's the best running back in the draft? Well, how do you want to use them? What are you looking for? The best running back in the draft. Running back, feature running back is Najee Harris. He can do things out of the backfield. He can be effective as a blocker. He can be a power runner. He's got underrated speed. But if you're not going to run him downhill, if an, an, an exorbitant amount, if it would he be, and I'm not talking about need because they addressed it last year, Najee Harris would not be the best running back on the Kansas City Chiefs board. He would not be. And he should not be because their offense, you would not utilize his skill sets in that offense as well. Travis Etienne would be the better, higher-graded player on the Chiefs board. Doesn't mean that I think Travis is a better player. Najee's a better player. Najee could, in the on the Ravens board, on the Titans board, would be the best running back on the board. Now, I'm not saying the Titans would take him. They've got Derrick Henry. Doesn't matter if they take him. He still would be rated higher. What is he? What type of – who's the best receiver in this draft? There are three guys the same grade at the top of the board on my board. They're three different guys, and they do different things. What's the best player? Well, it does depend. I think that you can stack them a certain way as certain guys are built different, profiled different, play different positions, receiver positions. Who do you think is better? Do you want to have a um, DeAndre Hopkins? You think DeAndre Hopkins is better or Tyreek Hill? Who do you like better? 
Who do you think is better? Because I'm going to tell you, you talking about apples and oranges, they're completely different. They play a different position. They have a different role. I think certainly in the pro personnel grading system, they've graded out relatively equal, but completely different. So if you're looking at this draft, Jamar Chase is the best big receiver. Tougher. You, you like DJ Metcalf? You know, you like the bigger guy? You like a more athletic Anquan Bolden that can run? Jamar Chase is a big receiver that can high point the ball. He's got good speed. He plays the X position. That's what he is. He can line up and play Z. It, it, probably the first receiver off the board. They're a little bit tougher to find those guys. That's how I've got them stacked. I've actually got him graded a little bit higher than the other two because the size strength factor puts him on a little bit of a different level and a little bit of a different tier. But if you've got that guy and, and you think he's, first of all, if you've got that guy, you can get another one, draft another one. But if you're looking at, um, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. You've got Jalen Waddle. This guy is, no one talks about this. This guy has the best skill set as a return guy that I've seen in a long, long time, over a decade. This guy is a Pro Bowl returner immediately. He also has great vertical speed, and he's got underrated quickness. He was considered their best receiver at Alabama. That's neither here nor there. But this guy can play X. This guy can play Z. Ideally, Z. It helps him get off the line of scrimmage with his quickness and go by you. Uh, you can maybe jam him a little bit more if he plays X. You can line him in a slot, but you want him outside to where you will force the safety to have to cheat over. That speed is <laughs> incredible. Devontae Smith, most polished. Doesn't have great size, but boy, what unbelievable quickness, balance, body control, very good speed. Just giving you three guys. All home runs, all with those first round talent that 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 w would all in the six nine to six five or uh, a grade area. Jamar six nine, the other two six five. So in the same grade plateau, but one's just stacked a little bit higher for the reasons I mentioned. You can't go wrong, and that would correspond to uh, first round. But, you know, so you say, well, first round grade. Yeah, that's technically true. But you don't just say, I like that guy, the first rounder. Again, you've got to go through, for me, you got to go through that process of grading them that takes you to a certain grade that then allocates putting him worthy to a certain spot. That determines whether you take them at five or 10 or six, whether you would move up to get them and what you would give up. What are you getting? Things are really important. I mentioned before, I drafted Javon Curse. Javon Curse was an inside, they used him at inside backer at Florida. They used him in a lot of places, played everywhere. But 
you know, that wasn't how we were going to use them. What I was evaluating and what I wanted was the length, the speed, the get off to be an edge rusher, a terrorizing edge rusher. That's what I saw. I liked him so much. I didn't want to fool around and run the risk that somebody else would take it. I was not, I was not successful in moving up. He fell in my lap, he fell in our lap. We were very lucky and he was a great, great pass rusher for us, but it's the transferable skill sets. What were we looking for? When I said, look, well, we were going to make this move. I, I said it and I coaching staff, hold on. We're not taking this guy until we clearly define how we're going to use him and what we're going to do. It's none of this Harry high school BS where we take him in and he's got to learn five different drops immediately to get on the field. And we're going to play him at two, three different spots. Let him come in, put his rear in, in a wide five or seven technique and attack the quarterback. Yes, there are other things we can learn and grow with. Utilize what he can do well. He's worth taking at 16. He's worth going up to get as a pass rusher. If you take that guy and you don't use him properly and he's all over the place, what are you doing? Now the same player, the same pick, is a wasted pick. So, again, the coaching staff, front office on the same page because a lot of times what just happened happens and it doesn't work. The pick doesn't work. Why? Because what I said we were going to do with them and how we're going to do and the justification of taking them at a certain spot ends up being utilized differently. And it's a waste. It's a waste. You know, I'm not going to take Kyle Pitts and say, and get on the field till he learns how to block. Jiminy Christmas. The guy's a receiver. The guy's a weapon. I'm going to find a way from a inline Y to a Y flex to get him on the field and utilize his skill set. Does he need to improve his, his stalk and stay ability to be a crack by? Absolutely. Positioning, understanding, those are things he needs to improve upon because now – when he can do that, when he's a weapon on the field, and then you end up running a pre-snap motion, and he comes down, and he doesn't have to be a great crack rocker, but he gets in the way. That frees up somebody opening. It opens up your whole playbook. But you have to understand this is why we're taking him. He's not a tight end. He's a weapon. So take him. This is how we use him. Use them correctly. Very often, players are not utilized correctly. Sometimes they can't get on the field because the guys are lazy. The guys don't work hard. They feel they've arrived arrived once they've been drafted. Then they don't do as much. Well, you got a problem. That's why we spend so much time. What's the guy's motivation? Does money motivate him? If money motivates you, oh, man, if that's the only thing that motivates you, then you got a problem because when they get the money, then what motivates them then? You hope that more money, and you hope that the next contract, but being great is a desire that's in and of itself important. I I don't want any player to not want to be motivated by money. I want them to be motivated by money because money is a big 
orange carrot for these guys, and it's an important part. And we will reward guys that play, show up, and are impacts. So if you do that, then you're going to get paid. But you got to do that all the time, and your ability to get paid is going to depend on your consistency. What did I just say? What's the difference between the six nine and six fives and the seven four and seven O's? What's the difference between the six nine and six five and the six four and six O's? You, often, often the six four to six O's they do it, but what they don't do it as consistently as the next group. Why? Do they have some physical limitations that allow them to do it sometimes against certain opponents and not against others? Is it a motivational issue that, boy, some days they feel great? Another, it's no different than any other position. Does the what separates the great salesman from the really good one? The guy that gets up and is motivated to absolutely own the day in sales. The guy that's a great salesman that has a great quarter that says, "Man, I'm good. We're gonna." That guy is not going to be great. I understand things change. You get a family, you know, you want to spend more time with them. I'm not being critical, but I am being analytical and I am evaluating. And for a player that suddenly is not a motivated once they're comfortable becomes an issue. And sometimes they don't reach that, uh, that level, that next grade level that they have the potential to reach, but they don't do it. That's why I was so specific. And it's why I'm such a stickler to it. Um, there are a number of factors that determine whether a guy has it, but there's also the physical and the tangible parts that will determine the ceiling of a guy's ability and where they can get it done. So really important to understand. So again, I, I kind of started and I use, because the storyline seems to be, who the Niners is going to take? They're going to take Mac Jones? Oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to do it. Well, it doesn't need to be a consensus. It doesn't matter if 25 other teams wouldn't take him in the top 10. It doesn't matter if they take him and they do a good job with him. They can have success. Who cares? I You think that if you had to do it over again and you had the benefit of hindsight, which we don't have, everybody is critical, but hindsight's – Great, isn't it? Would you wait for Tom Brady or Drew Brees to go as late as they did, particularly Brady? No. Of course not. It's why these guys are taken really high at the quarterback position. The importance of the position, the rookie contract is not what it used to be. You don't have to pay the $50 million guaranteed money out of a rookie immediately. It's less. So if you don't get your guy, you go and get another one. If you're the Jets and you're not comfortable with Donald and you don't feel you can, you go and draft Zach Wilson. Is it going to be better? Don't know. Don't know that we're not going to be talking about the Jets in the same situation in three or four years. Up to them. Depends on how well they do their job building a team around whatever quarterback that they take. Same thing with San Francisco. Same thing with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. Think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a superstar player? Potentially. He has natural ability to do it. He's got the tangibles. He's got some intangibles. Is Jacksonville going to build a good team around them? Is is Trevor going to be as motivated down the road with a lot of money as he will be now? I, you know, have a, an opinion on it, but it, there's no guarantee. All those things are going to determine it. Um, there's a lot of players that are written off that come back and have 
really good second, third years and develop. All you want is for guys to continue to grow and continue to develop. And the development part, the understanding that the draft is the launch point of a career, not the end point. So many people think, oh, we're good now. We fixed our offensive line with three guys and we're off and running. No, you drafted three guys. They got to work. You got to work. You got to develop. You got to work. You got to scheme. You got to you got to put talent around it. You've got to get playmakers around the protection. You got to put protection around the playmakers. You got to play good defense to help your offense and vice versa. You can't give away cheap yardage in the kicking game. You play really good defense and you you can't cover a kick. You're, you're hurting your defense. You can't return and, and set up good field position. You're in bad position. You hurt your offense. Those are things that we talk about during the season, how the offense affects the defense, how it affects these special teams, all interconnected. The draft, the evaluation process, all interconnected to how you play, what you want to ultimately achieve. We all want to ultimately achieve building a championship, winning a Super Bowl or winning a national championship in college. How do you do it? How do you get there? The reason why the greats are the greats is not because they show up every day and do it. They have a process. They have a strictly regimented process of how to build it, how to find at each position the right type of players, and then how to build off of that, how to grow it, how to replace and groom behind it. It's what Alabama does better than anybody's done in modern history of college football. And the good teams in the NFL, the successful ones, are really good. Kansas City does it completely different than, say, well, the Patriots have done it in the past. Um, but it's not how you do it. It's a buy-in to what you're doing and a commitment to what you're doing and then building the players that fit those criteria and putting the right grade in the evaluation. And in order to put the right grade, the the verbiage, the description of why you think this guy has six, nine hands. Describe it to me. Describe why you see it. Don't tell me he's got six, nine hands, because I don't know. You don't know. if he's... Tell me. Describe it to me. Don't tell me you like it. I don't know. You know, you sit there and describe it, and you just described six O hands. And you gave him a six nine. That's a completely different player. Yeah, but I saw this game. Well, what other games? What other exposure? Did you see it in practice? Did you see it in other games? Describe it. Well, it wasn't as good. Okay. Well, he caught eight balls against Florida State. <laughs> That's stats. That doesn't tell you about his hands. Describe his hands. Describe his um, get off, his speed, his quickness in and out of his cuts. Describe it. Describe his pass rush. What makes him a good pass rusher? Describe it. Do you understand the techniques? Do you understand the different mechanisms? If you don't, well, then you're just guessing and just throwing stuff out. And that's why, well, I don't know it. Well, there are a lot of people make mistakes. They've always made mistakes. They're making more mistakes now because I think people are gambling, and I think you got less football people making good football decisions, and I think you also have less continuity to build it. Let's get to some questions. Um, 
Spartan Martin says, have you seen the video? Have you seen video games take a toll on the work ethic of some of these athletes? I don't know. You think players playing video games? I, let me say this. I think, first of all, I'm not a video game guy, but I've learned a little bit because let me say this overall. It's not what you're asking, but what has helped players learn more about the game is video games. Players, people in general, when they can watch a video or see animation, they learn better than reading a playbook. That's why playbooks are digital. They're virtual. They're on a on an iPad now. Uh, you can give interactive tests. You can chart how many, how much how much they've been in their playbook because you know when they go in and out and you can learn it's it's more fun learning so i think it's help now i don't know what you mean if you're saying that they play video games like if you're playing the what are the you know i don't know somebody don't have to help me is it game of thrones or something to where you play the you know stuff that non football yeah if if you're like if you're not spending time doing football stuff and you're just doing a whole bunch of other stuff. I know there's some people that are addicted to those video games and war games and whatever, well, that doesn't help you play football. I'd rather them, if they were going to spend time on that, spend time at least looking at football stuff, preferably try to make um, football non-video games is what you're talking about. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's part of the thing. I It's one of the things I do ask that I try to find out. I don't ask them how much time they do. I, I get a feel for what do they like to do? What did they like to do away from football? What do they spend their free time doing? Um, somebody that does an inordinate amount of that is, um, is a problem. You know, there are rumors about this guy and that guy and Spartan Barton brings out Dwayne Haskins. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if the fact that he likes video games more than football is true or not. Certainly, something contributed to his work ethic issues. That's really important. Some guys just don't like it. Some guys are good at football, and they will do what they're told to do, but they don't do extra. It's a different world. And if you're not a I'll do something extra type of person, you're going to struggle a little bit. Uh, and and at the quarterback position, a lot, in fact. So I don't know if overall – look, it's not going away. And as I said – we try to encapsulate that to say, let's make this fun. Let's make learning fun. Let's make football fun. Learn and grow from it. That's that's really important. And then try to go out and you, there are things we can do playbook-wise to almost create a video game atmosphere to where they can learn reality football. That's really important. Um, so what uh, Tony asks, what was your evaluation of Jim McMahon and Wilbur Marshall? Wilbur Marshall was a great player coming out of Florida. Really good edge rusher. Rusher, tough to block. He had a great finish, great motor. Uh, he could play on his feet very well. Um, it was a really, really good player. Jim McMahon was a character out of BYU. Um, he was more of a character once he got away from BYU. He Jim had a toughness about him, a uh, a grit about him. 
Um, he was a guy that was a lot smarter than he came across. He absorbed things quicker than a lot of people did, but he had aloofness, an aloofness about him that would make people think that he wasn't that interested in it. And he was, and he did a pretty good job. Um, he was very effective for the Bears that was built around a defense, built around a running game. But boy, did he add juice to that offense. Um, as people overplayed the run and he could get the ball deep, he could really quickly make good decisions under pressure and get the ball to the open receiver. He was very, very good. Is he the optimal guy that you would like in today's game? With getting the ball out quickly, no, that wasn't what he was asked to do. Case in point of, what are you getting and what do you want? Um, I was had a really good career, um, and uh, it's not doing real well actually. So, thinking about that. All right, so hopefully that gives you a better idea. Uh, we'll get into more into the minutia of the draft and what's going to happen. But this gives you a little bit of the why things happen, and I think these things are really valuable uh, as you go to the draft. Check out LandryFootball.com. Get the latest um, draft board information, horizontal board, vertical boards, which are the position boards, getting them all out there for you. You're going to have all of them. Got the defensive line out today. All the offensive position boards are up. We'll get the linebackers and DBs out the rest of the day and tomorrow on special teams. You'll have all of that for you, all the complete breakdowns. NFL, uh, the way NFL teams do it, we take a lot of what we do for teams. Again, these boards are universal, but they will vary how I would recommend a player. I Just like I told you the example of the running back with maybe Kansas City versus Baltimore how they would have those guys ranked differently. And I gave you the reason why uh, those are the really important parts. We try to get um, to you. So you get a lot more of that information over at LandryFootball.com. All the latest information, college football, NFL, recruiting, the draft, free agency, you name it in season, uh, um, scouting season. We got it for you. Take advantage of the scouting season offer folks. It's less than $10 a month. It's even cheaper than that. If you take advantage of the year scouting season offer. So check it out today. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. It's like having your own scouting department at your disposal for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out. We'll talk to you next week on another edition of Landry football podcast. Talk to you next time, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.